will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, yep, we're switching it up on you. Pat's not here, but Leslie's Hey, Leslie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, as you know, before we started recording, I was having technical difficulties and frustrations. So hopefully better for this, you know, review session and I don't lose my mind completely. But uh, yeah, we're switching it up this week. We're going kind of back to the Marvel stuff. And then I think Pat will be uh, back next week for something or other that we'll review. But uh, this week we're covering the first two episodes of What If. Um the broad kind of perception I think of what if is it's been dividing fans. Uh, I don't know. I know you tend to watch more other reviewers on YouTube and stuff. And I don't, what have you kind of picked up as general consensus from, from those? reviews? I personally, you know, like really curate what comes to me through social media. So I guess I kind of have a tiny bit of an echo chamber (laughs) where I, I just, I like to watch people who are a lot more balanced you know, than they are like shock jock. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, they've been pretty positive. They might have little things here or there that they don't really like, you know, or just kind of, kind of like we all do like, yeah, I didn't really care for that. But for the most part, it's been positive and they're like, Oh, that's really cool. And what if we get, could have seen that like in live action and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, um, the stuff that I'm kind of tapped into, it's been, it's been more divided, but I, I, again, I don't think that these are people probably who focus a lot on like the Marvel content. It's, they happen to consume it. And then if they feel strongly about one thing, they, uh, they either attack it or praise it. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Cause like, 
I, I would even say I've read some IGN um, reviews and like because they called the first episode very disappointing. Uh, and then like I was seeing in the comments where like there were other people going, what? Like, yeah, did you watch the same show or something <laughs> like that? Um, but I know also for you, uh, not so much for me, you have had to take some adjustment to the animation style, right? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of the animation style. There are certain sequences that I think, OK, that looked really good. But a lot of times with the sequences, when they're more on their face and things like that, there's just like nothing there for me. I don't like it at all. So uh, I'm going to kind of present a little bit of a counter argument <laughs> only only because I remember specifically like telling you back in the office when the show originally started uh, that I was not a fan of the animation style. And that is the Dragon Prince on Netflix. It uses very much the same animation style where like vistas look really great. But the characters look very plain in the, like in the facial features. There's there's not definition. Uh, it's just the outline of the face, the eyes uh, aligned for the nose and the mouth. And like that's about it. There's no texture or uh, like looking of like old age or anything like that. Um, but funnily enough, like the more I watched uh, of Dragon Prince, um, the more I got used to it. So like for me, when. I was seeing the promo stuff that was a little wishy-washy, but watching the actual episodes, it, 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 I was kind of fine with it because it felt like that type of show. So I've kind of already gotten used to it. Yeah. I kind of feel like, uh, like at the end of it, it'll just be like neutral for me yeah. and not really like, not like this is the greatest animation and I love it. Or like, this is the worst I've ever seen. I think it's probably just going to be right there at like a zero sum. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so other than that, um, the other kind of high level things to talk about is obviously it's one thing that can't really be overlooked is the, um, voice acting. Um, what opinion do you have of them not getting every, like it, it was never going to logically work out where they would get every single actor to sign on, but, mm -hmm. um, are you as a viewer, especially as being a consumer of, Marvel content like I am and having watched the MCU movies hundreds and several thousands of times, basically, are you able to kind of have that disconnect where you can go, okay, I know that's not uh, Chris Evans doing Steve, but it's like close enough that it doesn't bother you. You mean like, like if you know that it's different, but it doesn't, but you can still kind of see it as, Steve. yeah. Cause, Cause I actually thought that, whoever I don't I don't know the voice actor's name who did um Steve I thought did a really good job but like Sebastian Stan who did his own voice I was it like, was bad it, just, <laughs> no, it was bad it did not sound like him whatsoever I was like this is so weird so right. I, I mean unless it really stands out like I did tell you that I thought it really stood out for me that um for the collector right. that really stood out but for the rest of them like nothing stood out so far. I mean, maybe when we get, I don't know how many episodes this is, is uh, like nine. nine. So maybe when we get to episode nine, I'll have more. Right. But so, so far it, it's, it's good. The only thing that stood out to me is the collector. I think the one that will be the most egregious and it's only just coming from the trailers that they released will be whoever does Tony, because it's, 
there there is a voice actor uh, who was actually the one I can't remember the name off the top of my head who did Tony for Avengers Earth My Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon who was you'd almost be convinced he was Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they got him for this because it's this one sounds so distinctly like trying to be Robert Downey Jr. but just not having it. And um, so I'm kind of interested to see when we get to that episode um, how I'm going to really react to that version of Tony. Uh, But realistically, I think if anyone assumed that that they were going to have everybody return, when you look at when contracts were up and stuff like that, no one, especially Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, like none of Mm -hmm. them were going to be on for this because of of the time that their stuff ran out. So, yeah. And that kind of, well, sorry, it just it kind of reminds me of like the people who were all upset when um, Ashley Eckstein wasn't the one who actually got to portray Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. Live action. And I'm kind of like, well, there, you know, it's completely different skill sets to be a voice actor and be able to convey things versus being a live action actor. And I like, number one, I don't know that it really would have worked as much. I mean, I would have liked to have seen it. I probably would have enjoyed it anyway, but that it just kind of made me think of that. And then the fact that like Sebastian Stan really stood out and we know he's a great actor, but like, this was so bad. And I have to wonder, like it it was weird. Well, specifically for me, I have to wonder if it was the writing because like the way that Bucky talks in, in this episode is very counter to how he actually talks in the movie. So like, it it seemed like he, well, no, 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 it wasn't actually, no, I got that wrong. Um, I mean, Sebastian Stan was still kind of up and down in his performance. It was Dominic Cooper. That's who it was. Uh, Howard. Oh, oh, the one that was. Really yeah. Cause like he, he seemed to really like go with like the 1940s shtick, but he <laughs> didn't act that way in the film. So it was like, he was trying to overdo his voice acting. But let me ask you this. Did mm-hmm. you watch um, agent Carter? Uh, I did see the like first episode. He guessed, starred on in the first season but i never saw season two so okay <laughs> is he more was he more like that yeah be, yeah because that didn't stand out to me at all sebastian okay. Stan was the one that really stood out to me as like he sounds like way not like himself or like bucky right right um so yeah there's there's just a lot of things i think that go into the pot with this and um you know it's like like we said some things are going to work and some things that some things aren't going to work and right. The one thing um, I will say that uh, seems to be a certain argument um, from a certain contingent, and I might agree with these people politically or something, but like when they're talking about this show, I think they're inserting their own personal biases um, into it, and it, that's what's kind of impacting their opinion on it, where – some people were thinking this is too woke and, uh, oh yeah, it's a, a strong female type character with, <laughs> with, uh, Peggy and stuff like that. But I really didn't like when watching it, I didn't feel that I really yeah. didn't. I know you didn't as well. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't get that sense from, 
from any of it. Like, right. easy comparison. If you want to feel like politics really getting inserted, just go watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right, right. Like that's that was something that was very egregious, where it really felt like the the politics of the real world were were really melting into the show. Whereas with What If, it's it is just the what if type storylines. And I yeah, know like that, that's literally the point. What if this happened? And I know some people's criticisms, primarily of the first episode, were that they were readapting Captain America First Avenger to fit with what if Peggy got the serum. But I think that the some of these people that are are being critical of that need to understand, well, like we're not adapting comic books for animation. We're adapting a multiverse of the MCU. Now, yeah, they're going to be doing some of the comic book storylines like uh, the Marvel zombie storyline. But like for the most part, this is all set within the MCU. So, of course, we're going to be seeing rewritten versions of the films we've already seen uh, right. with a, a twist on their head. Um, so I, I think that a lot of people may have just not understood that that was the purpose or that was what was going to happen. Because I ultimately feel, especially when you get to the end of, of uh, Captain Carter, is that like this is setting up its own phase one, phase two, phase three type thing where these characters from these multiversal lines, because like, we technically right now, we don't even know that if T'Challa's story is set within the same universe as Peggy Carter's story. And if it is, then, you know, OK, this is setting up for some big grand thing for for their universe outside mm -hmm. of the the we'll call it the Marvel 616 for the MCU. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of what people just are having an issue with. I could be completely wrong, but the whole point of this is to take these original stories and turn them on their head and change things around. So of course you're going to get readaptations of stuff we've already seen. And if you right. weren't expecting that, um, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to tell you. And, and uh, also, yeah, they're going to be a little bit truncated because they're 33 minute episodes. I think that's just about the perfect length. Um, although I know you and I both uh, agree on a criticism of the T'Challa Star-Lord, but which would have maybe benefited if they either broke it up into two different episodes or maybe did it a little bit longer. But without getting into those details yet, we are going to go spoilers uh, probably primarily more on Captain Carter. We'll try to keep it maybe a little light. It's not like even if we spoil something, it's not like it's spoiling this rest of the season or, or anything like that. Right. But uh, we do always kind of like to warn you in case you haven't watched the episode. So let's uh, let's dive right into with Captain Carter. Oh, I'm usually a bit more covert. must be desperate, sending in a fragile Fraulein to fight for them. Fragile? What? Scheiße. Exactly. Um, so my kind of main criticism of what if and how it starts off is 
the watcher doesn't even feel like he's important. <laughs> Did you get he, that kind of feeling? I just kind of feel like it, it's kind of so esoteric. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just with that one image and it kind of moves an eyeball a little bit, like bigger, smaller. Right. That it's, I don't know. I, part of me is like, I don't want to think too much about it. And part of me is, when I'm thinking about it, especially like you're talking about, maybe they're doing their own sort of universe thing. Me thinking about like Loki and whatever, all the stuff that happened there. And maybe this is all going to culminate in like just an amazing, it's going to blow all of our minds film, <laughs> you know, live action. When we all get to go back to the theater to like watch something and have that like, you know, in game experience again, like, and it's going to be so fantastic, but I don't want to like put expectations on stuff, you know? Right. Uh, I just think because uh, like I like Jeffrey Wright and he's obviously doing the voice of Watu um, that like I know we got to see the kind of the watchers a little bit in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, but it, it, it feels like for for normies, uh, for lack of a better term, who don't understand who the watchers are or what they do. It didn't feel like a really good introduction to his character. And I get like to he's him, not yeah. necessarily the main focus but he is the one presenting the stories to us. And he really plays no more than of a role than a narrator. And like, that's fine. Cause again, like that's his job is to not interfere and watch events as they unfold. But I, I feel like they could do a little bit more of establishing who Uatu is. You think they maybe could have done like a 10 minute special sort of a thing. Like, yeah, like a primer, some, yeah, something yeah. to kind of give you a lowdown of of who he is and or what he is, uh, because like even though we know this is ramifications from Loki, um, we don't understand who Watu is. We just we don't. And again, like outside that small little reference in Guardians Two, n- normal people who don't understand who he is or what the Watchers are will know. Well, why do they not get involved or or who are these mystical creatures that kind of stand outside of time and space just to watch things unfold? Yeah. But um, I did like with this episode, it just jumped right into it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, the serum stuff and like, you know, you get the whole destruction and then Peggy jumping in the chamber and going right into it. Mm-hmm. Um one complaint again, I think people inserting their own things where they were complaining about Peggy's physique after coming out of the um, the rebirth chamber. And as I told you before we started recording, if you're going to complain about her becoming bulky and, and muscular, then you need to complain about Steve becoming <laughs> bulky and muscular in Captain America. Yeah, it's, I think. Well, sorry, I was just going to no, say, like, like we were talking, I think people have these very set images in their mind. And when they see what would be like the natural consequences that she looks a little more buff, I th- they're still envisioning, I think, somebody really slender like Brie Larson, you know, like it should or maybe it should have affected her like it did with the those kids in Winter Soldier or, you know what I mean? Falcon and Winter right, Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, where it didn't change them at all or something. Or, like, they have that image in their head. And it's like, oh, well, she's not, you know, curvy and looks like a woman anymore. She looks kind of like a man. And I didn't see that at all. I'm like, her arms look a little beefier. Her right. calves look a little beefier. But, like, she's got, like, more more muscle. Like, that's what the formula does. Like, 
I'd take it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I didn't think she looked like a man at all. So, you know. Yeah, I, I again, I think it's like it's it's people who are trying to find whatever they can to to complain about it. And again, it's consistent with the internal logic of the show and of the of the universe that we know. Um, and that's why I just keep saying, like, hey, if you're going to complain about her becoming bulky, you need to complain about Steve because. W- that was eye candy for women. And like, yeah, right. we're not getting, and, and Haley Atwood uh, or Atwell, whichever one of those two is right. Um, well. I, I think it's Atwell. I don't know why I said Atwood, uh, but uh, she was eye candy in the movie. I mean, she's a very attractive woman. Um, and, but this was a way that they could, they could do it because she's not a bulky woman in, in real life. And uh, I know that, um, they're contemplating now because of, of this show, maybe they could do a live action Captain Carter movie. Uh, and then that would come with its own little other problems of what they would do uh, moving forward with her physique. But uh, yeah, I think it's like, it's, those are things that you get hung up on that you shouldn't be getting hung up on. Cause ultimately it impacts nothing. Um, there was like the, uh, another complaint I saw was like how the general treated her like, Oh, you're a woman, and bah, you shouldn't be a soldier, da da da. And, I, and they were complaining about that because that was pushing progressive, like, because her point is to prove them wrong. And it's like, but that's how women were treated and, in yeah, the forties, yeah, in the time period. And if you've watched Agent Carter, the show, like, that's how she gets treated in the show too. And you know, and she addresses it there, like, right. You know, it's it's because of the time period it's set in. It's not because of stuff going on now. Right, exactly. And and so it's it's this thing where it's like you're you're putting too much of yourself into the show where the show's not actually acknowledging that. You know, it's it's yeah. just it's trying to tell a fun fun spinny what if story. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the other I, I, I loved her suit, I loved the shield, I, I really thought it was a good job. Uh I already bought the, the Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> um but what I also really liked was Steve was still a lot a part of the story. Like yeah. they didn't just push him to the side. Like sh- she still has feelings for Steve. Like none of that was ever like thrown to the side. And now she's a lesbian or anything like that. It's just it, the the tables are turned and then they create the what what they call it? The um, something I smasher, Hydra smasher. Uh, yeah, I was like Iron Man 1.0. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I liked that he was able to contribute to the fight still. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just events played out a little bit differently. Like I, I know I saw someone complain about the chronology of when um, Schmidt gets the Tesseract because it happens later in this show. But it's the very first thing that happens in the movie. And I'm like. Who cares? Uh, who cares? Right. Also, <laughs> exactly. It's, also, it's what if it doesn't have right. to. I, I that's the one thing that really bothers me when you do stuff like this or like when you have Elseworld or things like, you know, that that spread out. It's like, no, the whole point of this story is to not do the mainline story. And if you're going to be so upset that it's not the mainline story, then don't watch it and just go enjoy the mainline story. Like the whole point is what if this happened? Right. Like, and. And things don't have to happen in that chronological order either, because just because we saw it at the beginning of the movie doesn't necessarily mean it didn't quite happen till later. You know, it's it's 
we're just seeing how they decided to edit the film together and and let the movie unfold. So, again, it's it's these tiny things that I think people let kind of impact their viewing, because one of the aspects I really liked about this was this kind of got into the Thule Society and kind of almost getting into a little bit of Lovecraft mythology with the squiddy thing at the end. Yeah. Um, that I really, really like that. And uh, again, another complaint or not a complaint, but someone that uh, it was like a, a Marvel posting site on Facebook. Like they were like, oh, yeah, Bucky would have never left Steve uh, at the train because he's with him at it till the end of the line. And then someone quickly pointed out saying um, Steve left Bucky. Like they understood that the mission was more important than, than that. And like, there was no reason to believe Steve had survived. Right. So that's the cool. And there was immediately an avalanche. Like, right. There's that too, that people were bringing up that fact as well. And then again, like we kind of get that moment that he's in the castle and he's being used to power the device that Schmidt is, is trying to use for the Tesseract. So, I, I kind of really like that it started out kind of following the steps of Captain America First Avenger, but then it still diverged and told a completely different narrative, mm-hmm. although having about the same end, a different narrative that we hadn't seen on big screen. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I was actually kind of surprised with her going through the portal and then that being her stuck in ice for 70 years. Yeah, because I was like, wait, how did we get the 70 years part if this is the space? Right. You know, stone. But, well, well, I mean, it just depends on maybe because it closed and it wasn't reopened and time wherever she was was had like no meaning. Um, or the TVA abducted her for a little bit and then <laughs> <laughs> let her out. Like in that, uh, I've come to bargain and there's no like right. sense of time in that space. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, now I will say I probably didn't enjoy it as much as you because we're, <laughs> we're both on the opposite sides of which episode we liked more. Yeah. Um, but Give give a uh, kind of your overview um, thoughts, and then I'll give kind of mine. Um, just uh, overview. Uh, so you know that like Captain America is pretty much my favorite character. I like him and Peggy together. Like I like collecting pops that are like the two of them. You know, like you got have like the old forty Steve and the sepia tone Peggy. Nice. You know, so like watching it and having it be like you said, the flip, but he's still there because I was scared at first. Cause I thought, Oh dude, they just shot him point blank and he's dead. Like right. you know, at that, at that beginning part, I thought, Oh no, but I liked that they kept him around. So I, I like seeing like the flip flop that she's the one with the power, but it's also kind of like they kept that building of their relationship, you know, when, when he's still scrawny Steve, because scrawny Steve is who she fell in love with yes. really that, you know, he still respects her the same way, you know, like for them, nothing's really changed, you know, between the two of them. I I especially like that when they're like eating dinner or whatever. And Howard's like, wait, you know, and like puts his face (laughs) up to the window, (laughs) you know, but I, I really did enjoy it. And I, cause again, like this is pretty much my favorite spot here. So I liked this one a lot more than I did the next one. Yeah, um, and I will say that the the animation really works for the action sequences. Uh, yeah, it really does. The action sequences I thought looked really, really great. 
like or that one action sequence where she jumps and twists and lands on the wall and jumps yeah. down. So like all of that looks so great. For me, what the animation lacks is with the facial stuff is that expressiveness. So that mm-hmm. means the voice actor has to do a really good job of being able to convey you know, those emotions through because the face is pretty much flat, you right. know, and there's not as a, a much to help you with the expression to like really convey the emotion, you know, and that is where I feel like more things are lacking in the next episode than here. Okay. Because I'm I'm thinking we had Haley, we had a really good stand-in for Chris Evans, and I'm I feel like I should have looked up the guy's name so I can give him credit. I, I, like I know it, yeah. but I I also at the same time like I'm going to going to make a mistake if I get it wrong. Yeah, so we we had them. I'm pretty sure that was was that Samuel Jackson as him. Yes, and so he, and um and uh, Jeremy Renner. Yes, yeah, so they were there. Um, the other actors for the the Cowling Commandos were were good. Like I said, uh, Sebastian Sam was really the only one that stood out to me as like what happened there. And it was Josh Keaton, uh, by the way, who did Steve. Did a really good job, believable as Steve. Didn't make me feel like oh, this is not Chris Evans or you know anything like that. So I I feel like the whole package of all of it was really good and like all conveyed the story. Well, and uh, just uh, just a quick side note, because talking about the voice actors, I, I love that they got Ross Marquand back to do Johan because his impersonation of Hugo oh, Weaving yeah. Yeah, is really good. spot on. Like, I remember seeing Infinity War and thinking, holy crap, they actually got him back. And he said he was never coming back. And then when I found out it was Ross Marquand, I was like, oh, well, he's really good at catching yeah. Hugo Weaving's voice. Yeah, so I feel like all of that compiled together with the fact that this is like my favorite spot here in the MCU pretty much was like this was a five out of five for me. Okay. Um I'm gonna I'm going to agree with you on pretty much most of it. Um I I do think although I said earlier that about the thirty-three minutes is a as a pretty good uh runtime for it, I do feel that it's a little it feels a little rushed. Um, because bit. it's it's jumping from her getting the serum like we get all of the stuff that, yeah, I might have complained about in our Captain America review of like him doing the the uh, <laughs> tour circuit and everything. Yeah. But it just feels like it's it just jumps from here to here to here to here. And then, bam, you're there at the end without like giving you time to process everything that's happened. So yeah. uh, and. and I mean, they have only that short amount of time, so they're trying to yeah. tell a movie's worth uh, of story in 33 minutes. So, like, I can't knock them too much on it. Um, but I also would have because actually and this is a an afterthought complaint, because I saw somebody mock this up on Facebook where uh, if you remember in Winter Soldier, uh, Steve visits Peggy at the hospital and they flip flopped it where it was old Steve in the bed and young Peggy in the chair. And I was like, oh, that, that would have been, been nice. really cool. Yeah. Like, it would have been cool to kind of have that moment. And we might we might get it. We might get I it. Mean, yeah. Because uh, I know that the the uh, the writers or the producers, whoever said that she is very focal to this first season. Like, we're going to see her more than once. Well, uh, just you talking about that. Sorry, just made me think. Yeah. I kind of wish he would have said I had a date, you know, the yeah. same way that he did. 
Yeah, I was kind of thinking she was going to do that too, and and she didn't. Um, but did she do not say something about a dance though? No, I thought she, she said something about she dance. said she said oh we won or whatever. Okay, something, something like oh we won. I was waiting for her to say oh I had a date. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I for me it's probably going to be about a four point five. I mean it's very close. Uh, I could easily tip over. I probably need a second viewing of it because uh, I did kind of watch it like first thing early on uh, on my little TV. So I didn't have my best sound or anything like that. Uh, and the nice thing about these being 33 minutes is they are very easy to go back and revisit. It's not like you're spending 50 minutes or or an hour and a half. Um but maybe maybe some things could have been tightened up. Voice acting a little uneven for some people. Uh, like we said, Dominic Cooper for me, uh, Sebastian Stan a little bit, but I think Sebastian was more on yours. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was a very good start to launch this. Like I don't, I can't see them starting with any other character first, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and getting people to buy in. Um, so. Uh, with that said, we are going to go ahead and jump into uh, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? How exactly did you stop Thanos, the mad titan, from decimating half of the universe? Oh, no. I'm a big enough man to admit when I'm wrong. T'Challa here showed me there was more than one way to reallocate the universe's resources. Sometimes the best weapon in your arsenal is just a good argument. Aye, aye, Commander. Although I still assert my plan was not without its merits. Oh, He's pretty sure it's still just genocide, big guy. And I'm pretty sure it's efficient. Um, and I'll give kind of a, a a brief thing of what I thought about this when I before watching it, and then I'm going to let you kind of take the reins uh, <laughs> of talking about it because I know you've got a lot more thoughts on on some of the story elements. Um, <laughs> So this was the one, and I think you and I both agreed on this uh, prior to recording, that seemed the most unlikely story. Um, it's kind of the harder one to put A and B together, whereas like yeah. with Peggy becoming Cap, that made sense because mm -hmm. it's consistent within that story that we could see that character becoming, you know, Captain Whereas T'Challa being Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy being two completely separate kind of entities that have very little connection to each other, it doesn't. I the 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 idea of them crossing doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I did quite enjoy the episode. But this is where I turn it over to you. <laughs> oh no. Um. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I'm like super negative or anything about the episode. I just like, it, it's kind of like I said, when, when we watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, like from the get go, the story doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And it's kind of like you just said, you know, this one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This is the one where I think you were saying would have benefited from either being a two parter or for being longer just in general to help us get from T'Challa as a little boy being picked up by Yondu and well, technically Taserface and, and <laughs> I can't remember his name. The other one. Oh, oh um, yeah, it's Sean Gunn. That's I yeah, mean I know the yeah. actor. Um, but by by being picked up by them to to start Craglin. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just it felt like a big like a really wide dysfunct like jump. Like that's not to say that I didn't 
like the performance, like Chadwick Boseman did a great job. Like his character was pretty much the only one that really felt like their character to me. Mm-hmm. Throughout yeah, this Yondu episode. was completely off. Yeah, Yondu was off. Um, Josh Brolin as Thanos was pretty good to me. And then the was that Karen Gillian yes, as Nebula? Yes. Like the voice was good, but like I said, I just had like a random, totally on me nitpick complaint about the hair color. It was really <laughs> weird for me that it was blonde. If anybody who's in the comics knows if she was blonde at some point, like just tell me. <laughs> I just it it, it looks so it looked. I don't know. It's one of those visual things that that stands out to me is like it doesn't look like it goes with her. Like it sh- they should have gone with like purple or a black color. And that was just really stood out and was weird to me. But um, the collector was the one that really, really stood out as the most annoying like piece for me in this. This weird crossover, like because we said we don't even know if it's in the same universe as Peggy. Right. Because it, it's weird for me from the get go. It doesn't make sense that they would have picked him up and he would have become Star-Lord. And we go through all this other stuff, and it's like, oh, well, this is interesting. You know, he's doing the getting the Power Stone thing, and and what's-his-face is all fanboying over him and whatever. And, you know, it's kind of like, all right. But when we get to the Collector and we kind of get to the heart of, like, what they're doing in this episode, it just completely falls apart for me because of the performance of um, the Collector. So I don't know if you want to, like, add more. Yeah, I can can add more. so, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like uh, they try to set it up where to ch- like because we can assume that this is even like real, real life MCU version of T'Challa who wanted to venture more outside of Wakanda. We kind of get that idea from him in Civil War that like he wanted he was really pushing for uh, openness with Wakanda. Um, and so like the idea of him wanting to be an explorer, like that kind of works for me. And I. Knowing Taserface and Craglin, I can believe them being complete idiots and going, oh, yeah, he's got two see holes, two hear holes and one well, eat hole. But but do you remember Craglin said he was scanning and that there was all that weird technology or whatever. And if anything was alien, it would be there. So yeah. technically not as he, dumb yeah. as. Right, know. right. The vi- Yeah, the vibranium <laughs> was what really kind of set their sensors off. Um, yeah. So like it, it, it's it's plausible. It's yeah. plausible, but uh, I, at the same time, it, it's it, it still feels very forced yeah, that you're connecting right. these these two sets of characters up. And although we know Yondu to be kind of a father figure, especially to Peter in in the movies, we are erased all of that in this film, like because it immediately jumps to Morag, and you know we get just a quick. Well, you guys did this and you did this. Well, how'd you beat Thanos? Oh, I talked him out of it, you know, and like the just it, it really burns through a lot of what could be potential story. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like more you're setting supposed to feel like he and Yondu have this deep connection that I just do not feel like whatsoever. Right. Because we get it very well established with Guardians one and two. It makes complete sense there, but it's really out of context here Mm -hmm. because we don't get that development. We don't get that growth. Like, why would he lie to to T'Challa and tell them that Wakanda was destroyed, you know, just to keep him on the ship? Like, like just because he's an explorer, like that doesn't make sense at all. And um, and also, like, wouldn't ego have kind of 
come after him a lot sooner. Like, cause you know, yeah, obviously so that hey. plays a, a little bit of a point later on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of things that don't, don't quite work, especially like how T'Challa was able to convert the entire Ravagers to be basically Robin Hoods, you know, where <laughs> they're, they're, they're stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Um, and the one thing, cause I do agree with you on the voice acting for the collector because Benicio del Toro is a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And this uh, voice actor who uh, is OK, we're we're in trouble because he did his voice. It was bad. As I, as I look on IMDb, it, Benicio did not sound like himself. No, no. I, I am actually very shocked now looking at the. Yeah, IMDb. I didn't look it up after like I didn't do the credits or anything. I because didn't look to see. there is no way that's him. No, I mean, it was, it, that's it how that's how distinctive, because like I even was when I was watching it was like, that's that's not him. That's not Benicio. No, I didn't at um, any point think it was him. That is that is very shocking. Well, because what I did like with what this episode did was what showed the collector to be a formidable character, because we like they were trying to do that with the MCU, but they never like gave him the time um, to really kind of show himself off to be a, a powerful kind of a person to be feared, like not necessarily feared on the level of Thanos, but, but still someone like you don't screw with. It would like why uh, Nebula was going to betray them to wipe out her debt was her fear of what he would do to her. Um, rather than just being this eccentric guy who just throws things in these in these collection pods. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that really blows my mind. I have to go back and rewatch it now because knowing that he did his own voice. Yeah, it, I feel like he was just doing a completely different collector. Yeah. Yeah. Like not even because he, he did do a very weird. He kind of did um, like his character from Last Jedi, mm -hmm. like doing a very kind of off the wall eccentric type. And like, that's not the collector in this episode. No, it's a very megalomaniac character in this episode. So I, I do definitely have to go back and rewatch that now because that, that bothers me that <laughs> I now know he did his own voice. Um, that might actually now impact my rating on the episode. Uh, but I, I it also kind of like why the why the uh, Wakandan ship would be in the collector's, uh, you know, storeroom. Like, I understand how, why his uh, necklace would activate it. But like, mm -hmm. how did those Dora Milaje get there and like, where are they now? And, you know, it, it, there, there there are just a lot of weird inconsistencies. I'm not even a huge fan of the the triple uh, agent, you know, like. Oh, oh well, I'm going to double cross you, but then I'm actually really working with you. Yeah, yeah. And I did not like him being called Cha-Cha. No, that was weird. It was very annoying. Like, it, once, it would have been fine. But literally every time he's on screen and she's on screen, she calls him Cha-Cha. Yeah, that was that was weird. Um, But I, I, I had fun with it. I think that that's, that's what ultimately made me enjoy it more is it, it did feel fun. It did feel guardians esque. Um, I would, I did like his little scene with Drax, uh, as well with the pictures, but I uh, would have like, also I liked his little scene with Howard the duck. I did like that, but I also felt like that served no purpose. 
Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to show you where the thing that you want is. And then now I'm going to sit here and drink instead. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, uh, yeah, there were like a lot of things that I think that they were trying. And with it being a 33 minute episode and, you know, it's not like we're going to get another T'Challa in this in this world focus type episode that they were just trying to throw everything in there that they could without yeah, giving it enough time to breathe. I'm wondering how much Chadwick was able to record beforehand. And if they were just trying to use everything that they could, that was like feasible to. Well, I to think at the point he was there? at the point he was recording, they still didn't even know he was sick. Okay. So like, cause I, I know his passing uh, was what like it shocked them. Cause they didn't know. Um, and it is really sad. Uh, I, he will be absolutely missed. And I, I really like his performances to T'Challa, but I still don't want them to retire that character. Um, I still think you can get another actor to come in and take that role. And Hey, we've got Kang now we can, <laughs> you know, we've got those recasting, uh, theories of being Kang's involvement in the timeline Maybe we could get a different actor in there, but I still their most easy route, I assume, is that they're going to make Shuri uh, yeah. Black Panther. And yeah, that's fine. But like the people that are looking for those agenda type things in these films are I'm going to latch on to yeah. that and immediately shred it and tear it apart. Um, so I would actually I wouldn't even be uh, upset if um, I'm going to say his name wrong. Mbop. Baku, uh, um, Winston, um, oh, I can't, Winston Duke's character in, uh, in, uh, Black Panther, who is actually a bad guy in the comics, but I liked that they kind of made him more of a conflicted character in the movie. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even mind seeing him take on the mantle as a, as a symbol of honor, you know, to T'Challa, yeah. if they decide to write T'Challa out. Um, and because the bringing Killmonger back and making him that's still doesn't I can't wrap my head around that. You know, that's just a concept that like, OK, I, I like Michael B. Jordan, too, but mm -hmm. he's dead. Like he's dead. Yeah, dead. Like in the MCU, you have clearly like he's very dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I really don't know how you get through that unless you like really do wait until you get to oh in the multiverse and look here's the TVA and like and like undo it somehow yeah I mean as far as what they're gonna do with them and what if like we'll see but as far as like MC like canon mainline like he is so dead <laughs> yeah character exactly that it's like I don't know how you do that like and of course that's a whole other conversation about they have bad problems with killing off their villains too soon and right. stuff like that but yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, like they they could come up with a Deus Ex Machina, but it, it would it would definitely feel very forced and gimmicky to yeah. to do that. Um, now I could see potentially because I know we get the the Killmonger episode that he's a good guy. Like if you want to shove him out of there from like multi, in Multiverse of Madness, and that's the Killmonger we have, then okay, like I can buy it at that point. But yeah, that would be the multiverse thing. Yeah. Right. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I did kind of like the final sequence in Wakanda, uh, the the reuniting, um, and then 
Yondu also introducing him as his space dad. Uh, and uh, But I, also, you never would have thought you would have seen Thanos in Wakanda petting a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and and debating with the Dora Milaje about uh, his efficient uh, genocide plan. Yeah, I, I liked that that was the gimmick every time he was there. that Everybody was like, I don't know, sounds like genocide, man. And he's like, <laughs> but it's efficient and it's random. Like, like they're just having a good debate and not like he's this crazed killer. <laughs> now, what I would have liked to have seen is that conversation, like how T'Challa was able to convince him. Oh, like, like that. That would have been yeah. really cool if we could. have. Like, those are the missed opportunities yeah. um, that, that this really has. And I, I I'm surprised we didn't even get like Easter eggs of Groot or Gamora. Like, yeah. But you then know, I thought, well, if he wasn't on his rampage, maybe he never went to her planet. Yeah, but that's to not yeah. to not see Groot or Rocket, though. Yeah, that that, that seems odd. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, overall I, I I did enjoy it, and I think that what made me enjoy it more was it was still kind of fun. Um, now this is the maybe the one spoiler moment, although I don't know if this is going to impact future episodes or not. Um, but spoiler, if you want to tune out for a little bit, if you haven't watched the episode, what did you think of the end with ego? And oh yeah. Popping up like that. I thought, is that the next episode? But then I don't think it is. No, it's um, Loki, uh, yeah. introducing himself to earth as the King of Asgard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I saw like a list of all the episodes on Facebook somewhere and I scrolled by it really fast because I didn't want to know. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's like kind of like you said, if they're setting up their own MCU sort of a thing, because if they don't have Thanos doing the snap as their like main, you know, person of, I don't know, evil, basically the main bad guy going around and, and pulling strings, you know, and, and making this thing happen and that thing happen is ego going to turn out to be the main bad guy? As I can tell you from a show image I've seen, uh, it's actually, it's in the poster because I, I, I actually think it's Ultron um, and it's Ultron in the body of vision with the stones. Oh, cool. So like, cause <laughs> if you look at the poster, uh, there's what looks like vision in an Ultron suit and the face places up, but the, but the, um, the chess piece has the stones inserted except for the mind stone, which is still in vision. Hmm. Um, but I don't like, again, I don't know. Cause I'm trying not to like spoil yeah. things for myself as well. Um, but that's, I just that's thought just the it image was just in there. Like as for, uh, an episode upcoming, you know, yeah. like I just kind of thought that's what they were doing, you know? Yeah, they so it, it's yeah, we don't again, like we said, we don't know if this is setting something up. But like I, I did like that Kurt Russell came back and did his voice. Uh, mm -hmm. It was kind of surprising Chris Pratt wasn't doing. I mean, not that there was much, but like Chris Pratt didn't come back for his. For that uh, bit. But I am intrigued to what that means because of what egos like end goal in Guardians 2 with Peter, you know, mm -hmm. what's that? What's what would yeah. that happen? My my initial thought, though, with just with seeing that, like seeing the DQ and then we're going in and we just see Peter. I just thought it was gonna like the watchers kind of like a ha ha, like in joke sort of a, between me and the viewer breaking the fourth wall sort of a thing, like because he's listened to his headphones and whatever. And it was just kind of 
you know, an end there. So I really wasn't expecting the turn to see Ego there. Right. So that was the, oh, maybe it's another episode. And it, I and just it, thought it was like a break of fourth wall sort of a joke. And it thing. ends very on, 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 I can't say it. Ominously. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for saving me there. I couldn't, for some reason, couldn't get the words out of my mouth. It's very ominous uh, about how that, how that ends with like, hello, Peter or whatever. Um, yeah. So, all right, so score score for me on this one. I'm still going to land on a. I think I'll land on a four um, because there are a lot of things that do not work with the writing. A lot of it feels very rushed, um, and again, like without knowing this, if if we had a half a second of a scene that indicates that this is connected, like directly connected to Peggy maybe I could have an understanding of what it feels like those two individual episodes are setting up. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it for me. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the number that I really want, but I'm like, I don't want people to come after me either. <laughs> but I'm, come, I'm at really, come at her. Come at her. Hey, yeah. any listeners come at her. Come at her. I'm really feeling like a three and a half. Like okay. it was, it wasn't that great to me. Like visually, you know, I think the, like, your the anime like the back like you said the vistas the backgrounds and yeah. stuff like look really good the action sequences do look good when they're moving around fighting and stuff like Chadwick Boseman's performance was good you know pretty much that's like my high points of the thing so there's I don't want to like give it a four when I feel like it probably should not even be in that level so three and a half <laughs> so if you want to send your hate mail you can send it to critics not at gmail.com and we will read all your all your hate email at, at leslie on the next what if uh episode <laughs> recording but yeah i mean again uh i think the the main thing to take away from the show is there are going to be things that work and there are going to be things that don't work and as long as because I feel like neither episode has done anything egregious. I don't think it's yeah. destroyed anything. I don't feel like it's no. it's pushing propaganda or anything like that. Um, it just seems to be these fun kind of side stories. And let's see what's going on. I do like that Marvel has said it is canon. So like this is happening within the greater the MCU yeah. uh, with the multiverse and everything. Um, so I like that because I think we talked about it in, um, in either our Loki finale review or our last MCU franchise review was that the potential that some of these might become live action films um, like they were already talking about maybe doing a live action Captain Carter. And that would be amazing to see it up on the big screen because it's one thing yeah. to see it in animation like this and it's great. But how cool would it be to see Haley up there and mm-hmm. and have that live shield and suit um it's not like we need to get a whole avengers or anything like that (laughs) but it does give them a greater realm to play with uh and and tool with things i feel like it gives them the opportunity that if some of these stories go over really well it gives you the opportunity to do just this random one-off movies that they could still make a lot of money off of you know and just be it doesn't have to be part of the overall story they right. could just be like, hey, this is this cool thing over here. And maybe you could just have like a, I don't know, like a multi-world, multiverse sort of like, yeah, this is part of this and this is part of that. But, you know, you, you have the potential to let creative people play and like and do the story 
while not hurting your main line, which is exactly. your moneymaker and your golden goose. Which is um, kind of goes back to, I, I believe I might have said it, my DC fandom um, kind of roundup of what I thought about that whole uh, project last year uh, when they were talking about the multiverse within DC and what Flash was doing and stuff like that. And then Walter Hamada kind of coming out and saying like, yeah, we might actually look at doing like a Superman Red Sun live action film without having to worry about it being connected. And it's like, yes, that's great, because that's kind of what they do currently with their animated films is Mm -hmm. they'll do two movies in continuity of their kind of greater animated universe. And then they'll do one movie outside of it where, uh, you know, they can do one of the other storylines that they want to adapt and without it messing up that continuity that they've set up with those other animated films. And I think that can easily transfer over to live action because, you know, what they talk about, what's going to happen with the flash movie, like that sets up, uh, you know, um, Robert Pattinson's Batman on being kind of his own earth. So whatever Matt Reeves does there, it's his own playground. He can take those characters wherever he wants to, without having to worry about Ben Affleck or what they're doing with, uh, Michael Keaton. Um, and uh, like, again, like they want to do Superman Red Sun, they can get a completely different actor to play Superman without mm-hmm. having to worry about contracts with Henry Cavill or whatever. And like, honestly, I would think Wonder Woman 84 would fit more in a multiverse story yeah. because it's garbage. Uh, but but, you know, it would fit more as a multiverse story. Yes. And instead of it being what's in that main line and then allow us to also keep, you know, Zack Snyder's vision of Justice League uh, kind of as our mainline continuity for that. And uh, I think they're realizing that fans are smart enough to differentiate between uh, a TV show, Superman, a cartoon uh, Superman and a you know a movie Superman like yeah we're not we're not dumb so <laughs> if Marvel can adapt that as well and spin off these multi kind of multiverse stories like you said without damaging the continuity or characters or stories that they're telling mainline mm-hmm. um, it maybe it, it even allows them to take breaks where okay you have Black Widow come out in June or May Let's say it comes out in May. And then you can have a, a in-between movie where it's Captain Carter and then, uh, you know, allows them to work on whatever they need to do for Spider-Man No Way Home. And then Spider-Man No Way Home comes out and that still fits in with Black Widow and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think that they're, they're starting to learn that audiences are not idiots yeah. Uh, and we can we can separate things. So, yeah. And can you imagine I, there's going to be all the debates about like. Like, well, this is my Superman, or Henry Cavill's my Superman, or this is this. And we already do it anyway about who yeah. portray, you know, which actor we like. So if we have them all at the same time, you know, that's that if as long as they're talking about you, you know, yeah. sort of a thing. Like, or no press is bad press, which probably isn't totally true. But, uh, you know, if, if everybody's still talking about your product and, you know, wanting to consume your movies and your, your comic books, and I'm trying to think what all else is connected. Video games. Yeah, like... Funko Pops and what all, you know, well, it's like people are still talking about you and enjoying your content and, and consuming it. The biggest thing that generated so much buzz, because I think the, the amount of times that they kept pushing back a Flash movie and was just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be in 2020. Now, now it's going to be in 2021. Now it's going to be in 2022. Like, I think that interest in it was dying. And mm-hmm. then uh, Andy Muschietti goes, Michael Keaton's in it. And then everyone's like, wait, what? 
Like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Like they're adapting Flashpoint. Somehow we're getting 89 Batman in here. And then, oh, wait, Ben Affleck's going to be in it. So now we've got two Batmans in there. Mm-hmm. And like, not that it needs to be a Batman focused movie, but it's like, oh, that's great. Like you have you can bring some of these old fan bat fans back and uh, these newer fans in who don't even know of Michael Keaton's Batman, which they're insane if they don't. But, uh, you know, it's it's just like it, it drives more interest up. You have people debating. You have Michael Keaton even saying, I don't even know how I'm showing up in this movie. Like I've read the script three times. and right. I'm like, I can't wrap my head around it. But he knows and people are excited for that prospect. So I think that that's what's so cool about what if is it's giving that potential for the Marvel movies as well while also being an interesting playground for storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very excited to see what episodes come next. Uh, what we're doing with our reviews for this, cause they are shorter episodes and with crazy schedules and stuff like that, we are doing two of them at a time. So, uh, when we come back with what if reviews, we'll be doing episodes three and four. Um, we hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, again, you know, as we say in all the episodes, let us know what you think. Um, you can write into the podcast and if you want to send all your hate mail to Leslie, um, <laughs> just, just say, this is meant for Leslie, uh, at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. Uh, also good news. I meant to announce this at the beginning of the episode, but, uh, we are now back on SoundCloud. Um, I was doing a lot of thinking and it's like, well, it's kind of crazy not to also be on that platform as well. Uh, cause if, You've listened to this podcast since inception. One of the biggest problems I had with SoundCloud was trying to get everything imported to like iTunes and and all the other different podcasting apps. And that's why we switched over to Podbean. Um, And Podbean's been great and it's been great at distributing our podcast. But I know SoundCloud is also uh, a really good source and we still have a few followers over there, shockingly. Um, So uh, if you were a a SoundCloud listener, you can go back to listening on SoundCloud. Uh, I know Leslie and I are going to do some brainstorming for our Parks and Rec uh, (laughs) Kill Patrick uh, watch. Kill your uh, liver. We are uh, we are going to it probably won't be the best in recording quality in the sense of this will be our first time doing video and and importing it over the YouTube. So we'll still be learning, but we are going to be trying to do that when we both kind of reach our vacation to see if we we can fit it in there. Uh, We we got to come up with a set of rules. We can keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, yeah. The rules for you not to be. Totally Not to be dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have um, me in a, a completely different state trying to call 911. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> Wellness so, check. <laughs> so we will uh, we will hopefully get that up for you shortly. Uh, you know, we still got, I got other things uh, also in the plans. We still got to get the website up and, and uh, the other stuff with YouTube. But we're, we're working there. Uh, Pat has told me that he's kind of got the official studio uh, kind of up and running. Um, so we're going to be transitioning some things over to there. Uh, once, uh, once we're fully solidified on that, that might make things a little bit easier when it comes to the YouTube side of stuff, but, uh, happy to announce that. And, uh, again, the normal spiel, um, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, we're on Twitter at critics NT cynics. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at critics, not cynics podcast. Uh, we are pretty much on every podcasting service. I found out today that we're on, 
I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but I was just like, oh, this is a place I can add the podcast. And it was like, oh, yeah, you're already here. I'm like, <laughs> had no idea. But we are on Podbean, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes podcast. Uh, we are submitted to Pandora now, too. So we're waiting for re- uh, the review on that. Uh, so we should be on Pandora soon. Um, so basically wherever you can get your podcast and if I can figure out how to get these audio only ones up on YouTube too, we'll, we'll be on there eventually. Uh, so, and as always, if you leave us a rate and review that helps us, you know, reach more audience members and, uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys next time.